Welcome to the Protectors Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Piccolo. Hey, I'd like to welcome to the Protectors Podcast, Jeff Bosley. How you doing, Jeff? Hey, how are you doing this afternoon? I can't complain, man. We're talking about <laughs> the interwebs, and we've got, we got some good conversation ahead of us. Oh, God help us. <laughs> so where are you at now? You're in Los Angeles, right? Right now, I am in L.A., California. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, that's, it's a, that's exactly where all the veterans and firefighters and everybody else end up, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we love it here so much. Um, no disrespect to anybody in Los Angeles. <laughs> it's just, uh, mute, mute that. It's just um, not exactly where I would come if it weren't for work-related stuff. But, you know, teach their own. <laughs> exactly. Well, I if guess I had a gun to my stop, head, I'd so. probably be a little bit more honest. Yeah, where else? I mean, Georgia's like the big hot ticket now for. Yeah, for I mean, stuff. my goal, and this sounds really pompous, like or not. I don't know. I'm, this sometimes it feels optimistic, but sometimes it also feels like narcissistic. But like my goal, I'm supposed to say when I make it because that's like the optimistic way to phrase it. But I'm 40 and jaded, so it's it's hard for me to speak that way. <laughs> so I always say if. But let's say I get to a spot, I can do what I want. I want I, I again I'll do respect to Californians, but I will move the second I can and and follow the lead of other people that live, you know, the Rock lives in Florida, Zachary Levi Shazam lives in Texas. You know, I want to move to Montana <laughs> on a horse ranch <laughs> and when they need me to LA, then I'll come back. <laughs> now Yellowstone, there you go. I mean, where do they film uh, that at? I actually I think they I mean I'm the way movies work, I don't know if like the Kevin Costner stuff is in a convincingly similar background and like <laughs> then they'll send that's called the second unit to go grab Yellowstone footage or not. But yeah, no, that'd be the dream is to go get a job in a place I want to live. <laughs> it's like, you know, I will cover circle around to it. That's kind of like why I the the project I'm I'm trying to, you know, get my life revolved around is that could shoot anywhere in the country. And you know, maybe I'll get to a point where I'm saying, you know, this needs to shoot in uh, Helena, Montana. <laughs> well, let's go into that. Let's go we'll do a little bit about your background so the audience yeah. kind of knows who you are. I know who you are just because, you know, we've been tagging each other on Instagram For and sure, all the yeah. other social media. But you grew up, where is it, Idaho or in Colorado? I would say mostly Pocatello, Idaho is where like a chunk of my youth was in my, you know, young adulthood. Um, I was born in Colorado and I, three, four or five, my father maybe a little older, we moved to Pocatello, Idaho. Um, and that's where I spent like, I mean, kindergarten through senior year high school. So it's very safe to say I spent most of my life in Pocatello, Idaho. And then, uh, no. Yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ramble. <laughs> <laughs> you don't so, stop me. I'll keep going. <laughs> now you have, you have the varied background, like a lot of, uh, a lot of the guests and a lot me as well. Yeah. So you were, um, you didn't initially go into the military. You were kind of a theater guy, right? Yeah. I, um, like my dad, uh, he's a the reason we were in Pocatello, Idaho is he was one of the emergency room physicians. And it, at the time at the one hospital in the city, it was, it was like 60,000, maybe 67,000 people, but it only had like one major hospital there. And he was in the ER there. So I was raised around, he wasn't like 
throw down the hammer. Um, but you know, the, the, obviously to be a physician and he was born in the fifties, that, that comes with a, an air of kind of passive dictatorship. <laughs> so like, I always knew I was like, well, I'm going to do something practical with my life. So I always just assumed I'd be a doctor, you know, it's not cause he smacked me with it or anything. I just assumed I was going to do that. So most of my life was just assumed academia. So like I, I, I would never have dreamed of pursuing something so impractical. And, uh, so yeah, like in high school, I was, you know, like, if you, I know you don't have necessarily electives per se, like college, but I would take those rant ones and two electives you could take with like sports medicine. I, I really dug sports medicine. Like I really excelled in like anatomy and physiology. And I knew that was what I was looking for when I went off to college, which again, I just assumed I was going to college because that's the world I saw. You know, my father went to college, his brothers all went to college. And so I love theater and I did theater geek stuff, but I never entertained it as a, as a route to go. You know, I, same with military. I just, it, it was enough removed from my family, not because they didn't support the military, but because I wasn't saturated in it, it didn't occur to me to do like a lot of people like yourself and, and some of my closest friends to pretty much almost do it right out of high school or soon after high school. And that wasn't me. Yeah, I kind of kicked around a little bit, then I went in, but uh, same way, I didn't go to college till after the army. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried so, to do college after, you know, I, I, <laughs> this is when I was in Colorado, and I had got to the point, because I joined the Army significantly late, you know, I was in the late 20s when I joined, and uh, I remember, um, so, you know, fast forward through the military career, went back to college, and I was in Colorado at the time, and I was, I went to like, I think it was some 101 level class and i just i kind of came out a little jaded and and not no you know like a little ticked off you know whatever and so sitting in bio 101 with my peers of 18 year old recent you know happy uh, high school graduates i was like no this isn't for me <laughs> so i, I, I know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> and i know yeah any vet that's gone back to college i i still commend everyone that's done it because i i I'm to the point now where I run, you know, especially in the job I'm in now, my careers of interest didn't require a degree. And so I was only doing it out of pride and just like, I started this, I shall finish it, you know, and, and that was no reason to go spend my money or the government's or take out student loans. So my, my conscience was clear aboarding that mission. <laughs> very, <laughs> you very know, clear. Where does it all get you at the end of the day? I don't know. I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been that's an LEO like, long. I've been an LEO. Yeah, and you have a degree. Yeah. yeah. And everybody says, I mean, like my family, other than me, most of my family did go to professions. A lot of them were surgeons and doctors and nurse practitioners where a degree was just, you know, an absolute requirement. Um, I looked at maybe going to a three letter agency at one time where they would have required a degree, ironically. Um, but beyond that, it just, I was doing it out of like, just sheer, I've never really quit anything. <laughs> and so that was, that was why. And I was like, well, not quitting this is costing me a lot of money and time. So yeah, too toxic yeah. for me. So, oh, Godspeed man. for you. <laughs> oh, I don't even know. I'm done. No more education. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just, you know, I don't think there's anything past a doctor. I mean, that that's good for me. <laughs> yeah. I'll support you in that decision. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so you, and you know, that's one thing about this podcast. It's, you know, it's just really down to earth talk to LEOs, uh, first responders, military. Now you were a fire, a fireman and SF at the same time. And there was an overlap. Yeah. So, I mean, I won't, I won't say I was an operating green beret at the time because I was overlapping with my 
you know, like I honorably discharged, but yeah. it was not, as you know, it's, it's still not an overnight process. And especially cause I did medical stuff. So I definitely, and I was older and a little bit wiser. So I, I didn't just like go take the offer and bail. You know, I was like, I'm going to go through this paperwork. I'm going to do this diligently. And, uh, so while that was happening, just because of the way I am, I'm uh, based on your career, you're the exact same way. You're like, I need to have a plan in place before I even finish plan A, I got to get plan B in, initiated. So I was in the fire Academy during my discharge process. So, and actually, God, I, yeah, I actually formally discharged while I was actually serving as a firefighter. So that overlap, I always say this, but it was like Ferris Bueller's day off, like the shenanigans I had to pull. And I, some of them were shady. Some of them weren't, but there were some days where I'm like, how do I get to the fire Academy now <laughs> when I said I'd be here for this, you know? And, and um, a senior medic, uh, senior Green Beret, the senior Green Beret medic on the team I was on, you know, he goes, look, I get, he was a little older and old, maybe a bit more jaded and or wiser. And he goes, I get you're trying to be honorable, but he goes, you know, we're going to be fine without you. Take care of yourself. And I'm like, all right, you gave me, you cleared me hot. <laughs> so the, the shenanigans engaged and. So I served at the same time, but it wasn't as it wasn't like I was pulling triggers one minute and then 24 hours later, you know, performing CPR. That would have been cool. That would actually be really cool. Yeah, it would be pretty cool. <laughs> I might have to make that. I might have to make that a movie now. Okay, so how do you go from Green Beret to firefighter? Then the next, and you're in Colorado. Yeah. How did you get to LA? <laughs> yeah. Well, the firefighter thing, um, it seemed, and and I. I I disclaim a lot. My friend in college actually called me a disclaimer, Jeff. But with all respect to lot to LEOs and not getting political, like the practical thing after serving military would be some sort of law enforcement or some sort of enforcement agency, whether it's one of the three letter agencies or other, or, you know, police or sheriff or who knows. But I was I, coming out late mid the mid thirties. I was God. I was like, God, I don't, I don't want to be the new guy. That was kind of, a thing but not as much but it's also i'm not a warmonger by any means but i and i know i'm probably preaching the choir and a lot of your audience cops are, have a tough time being cops and that's me looking from the outside in I'm, I'm just saying that on the sidelines like you know you know armchair quarterbacking it i was like i don't know if i could be a cop and at that time even especially even today present tense in this climate you know where it's hard where I, it, I was perceived and I was perceiving and talking to LEOs, you know, particularly I'd want to go to like SWAT or like, uh, like some sheriff's departments have their special enforcement bureaus, which is essentially their version of SWAT. So I did look into it pretty religiously for cop for law enforcement, but the, I guess the political hamstringing that I'm sure people can attest to was getting unsettling, you know, and, I knew I was self-aware enough that my soul was still in a little bit of a toxic environment. Um, just after serving, you know, there's that weird funk and then your tail you're wrapping, you know, you wrapped your career up where you want to really set yourself up for a like positive soul success. <laughs> and I knew if I tried to go cop and be the new guy and deal with all the political stuff I was getting told about, I just was like, it, it just seemed too much. Um, and so but I've always loved firefighting a lot. I was a, did a volunteer thing while I was in college, and I still knew I needed that team, you know, cohesion or that team environment, especially being a Green Beret like our ODAs, you know, anywhere from four to 12 people, sometimes less, sometimes more. And, you know, a firefighter shift is 
typically, unless you're in a big city where they have a bigger company, you know, typically only four people. That's a cool way to spend your 24 hours. And that's why I drifted to that. And at the end of the day, like I, I, I do like, you know, the green Bray motto or one of our unofficial mottos is to help those who can't help themselves. Sometimes I know, you know, sometimes that requires bullets and in the green beret medic case, it can require bullets and that, you know, hand out hug stuff. So that's, that's the huge spectrum. And at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a pretty nice guy, teddy bear until that switch is flipped, but I like serving the community. I like helping weaker people. I like helping those in need and firefighting is, I would say, I mean, I would say hundred percent that, you know, firefighters don't go stop crimes. They don't go when they go when places are bad, but I'm sure you heard, you know, as you know, firefighters and cops are always giving each other crap, but most of the time, people, when cops are coming, it's because something's bad, depending, no matter what the situation is, whether they need help because they're in trouble or whether they're being, they're criminals and they need to be, you know, put down. Everybody loves seeing firefighters. I never went on one call where no matter how drunk somebody was, they're like, oh, yeah, the firefighters are here. So that was fun. Uh, but it, uh, so it served kind of that purpose where I liked kind of the good part of humanity, more or less. But sadly, um, you know, I, firefighting is, there's some national statistic where it's 80% EMS now, you know, because most firefighting, uh, organizations, they are the fire, they are the ambulance service within the city. There are private organizations within, but they both respond to like EMS calls. And as an 18 Delta, I was pretty much beat to death with medicine and then having to join, um, for those who don't know, like when you're a green beret medic and, uh, Another disclaimer, no, dis- no disrespect to non-Green Beret medics, but Green Beret medics are, <laughs> they can do everything. <clears throat> they can be surgeons, doctors, veterinarians, dentists. I mean, you name anything to do with medicine, we can do and we're allowed to do. As long as the person's life is saved, that's all that matters. Throwing onto a fire department, I was an EMT basic where I couldn't do anything. <laughs> and that was really hard for me after a while of watching, um, you know, it's it's a... Uh, it's a organization because it's a city run organization, just like law enforcement where liability gates are in place for the safety of the officers or the firefighters, but also for the liability of the citizens. And sometimes that is hamstrung, you know, and I don't mean any uh, disrespect, but I saw calls where if I could have just shoved the individual aside and cracked the person's throat open rather than, lame uh liability based cpr i could i guarantee i could have saved one life for sure but obviously i'm not allowed to do that and so knowing it was kind of like i know too much and it made it not fun since 80 percent of firefighting is ems so that kind of killed my passion for it a little bit and uh i'll try to wrap up the long-winded answer but it got to the point where i was like out Sadly, to firefight, that means somebody's house has to be burning down, and that's pretty miserable. And that doesn't happen anymore nowadays with a lot of newer technologies and a lot of building construction. So I just kind of got to the point where it was the perfect storm of things happening. Um, I knew I wanted, I went, was going through the proverbial military divorce. You know, you're, you're at least one issued divorce you're, you're given by the military. And uh, things added up. I saw some stuff online. I had some friends say some stuff at the right time. And I was like, screw it. I'm moving to L.A. And I did everything I would never, I vowed I would never do, which was pack my bags and move to LA. And uh, I did it probably in less than, I want to say less than two to three weeks. <laughs> I gave everything away or sold it and packed up and moved. That's the short answer, long answer. 
Nah, that's actually a great <laughs> answer. Because you know what? You found something that a lot of people don't, they find it later on in their life. Like me, I'm like, here I am podcasting. I'm 46 years old. I'm finally getting into a rhythm of something I really want to do. Yeah. You figured out a lot earlier and said, you know what? My, my passion is acting and I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. I know a lot of veterans or law enforcement or anybody that's been doing that. Like you said, first responder, LEO, firefighting, military career for a chunk of their life. And that was like their identifier. It's hard for them to wrap their mind around anything. So whether you luck out and identify it later in life, I mean, like you said, at 46, I mean, I was just under 40. So, you know, whether you identify it, but taking that risk. Yeah, I'm glad I did. Don't get me wrong. I would have, I wish my, um, my identifier was something practical, like, oh, I've, I want to chase my dream of being a dentist because <laughs> that's a little bit more warm and fuzzy paychecks and comfort and reliability. But it, it is peaceful and reassuring to kind of like have that moment of like, you know what, I, this probably is age and wisdom for sure. But the older and, and wiser we get, supposedly, you know, it's just kind of like the whole effort. I'm going to do it mentality. And I was at a point where this was to my sister's credit. She goes, you have a dog what do you have to lose? You know, she goes, you're not tied to this city. You know, I was because of the firefighting job, obviously, but she goes, you don't have a kid. You don't have, you know, a wife. She goes, she said that. And then a, coincidentally, a friend, not even a week later said about the same thing. And yeah, it, it's scary. But I think a lot of us that are military, especially if you're military long-term like yourself and then LEO, you get set good, bad, or indifferent in that, world so doing something so against the grain that you've never gone against is hard as hell you know i won't deny that you know there's that's terrifying <laughs> you know and especially if you know if you have a family like a lot of you, you listeners and then that's a whole nother you know three or four tiers of responsibility you have to factor into doing something that seems so whimsical you know compared to a enlisting at 18 and i got a paycheck and a career in health insurance go you know and you're set you know that's that it's, it's terrifying to do otherwise. Yeah, well, you know, the big steps ever abound. And, you yeah, know, I have a perfect. lot of friends now, like, you know, they're retired already, you know, because yeah. they did the 20 in the military or, or stuff like yeah. that. And now they're, they're on to their next career. And it's like, well, well that's cool. But, yeah. uh, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, and I say that to some people, and this is old, you know, kind of this is my pissy money Jeff days because we all have them. But there are days where had you know i see and this happens a lot in the military just because that's more where i notice things whether it's on social media or whatnot had i done the 20 and enlisted when i was 18 god forbid i didn't you know get you know dead i would be living retired and could do something so whimsical so that's where i commend a lot of people that do their 20 they get out at the same time i'm at now and they got their war you know they have their insurance they have their 20 year whatever you know pension all the nine yards and they're like, cool, I don't have to survive on this, assuming they're not, you know, in gambling debt or anything. That can allow them to kind of pursue that scary thing with a little bit more liberty and, and kind of freedom, you know, without that terror. Yeah, but then you, you sometimes wonder if that terror is a more of a, a – it drives you harder than someone that has that oh, safety blanket. Yeah, for sure. Complacency, you know, complacency and, and convenience, I, you know, are killers of survival. And that's sound, that sounded very poetic. I just made it up. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's a fact. You know, if, I was actually talking to a girl last night, the exact same thing of when you have to do something to survive, there's a weight to it. You know, sometimes that translates desperation or panic and, and fear and sleepless nights, etc. 
but you know it's pure like you know it, it's well you were infantry it'd be like going to the range you know you kind of you go to the range and you're just like this is awesome i'm bored out of my life but if bullets are coming back at you you become very engaged <laughs> you become very good at your job you well, know, that's the become... thing is you have a different adrenaline package now than yes. firefighting and everything else. Yes. And you're, your next adrenaline is, hey, you know, I want to get that cool role. doesn't matter. If, yeah. whatever, you know, I'll work for scale. <laughs> just work because yeah, I, exactly. I just want to do it. And, yeah, that's the thing is, is I, I always coin – I've coined the phrase in a way of my spectrum of suck has changed. And, I'm, you know, same as you with your background is if I came to Hollywood at 18, I would – I would have been just a soft little snowflake, always sad and scared and, and all that. But at the end of the day, we've been through a lot. And so what Hollywood throws at me is just like a lot of unknown frustrations and business shenanigans. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not, you know, I'm not where you and I have been. And so, it's it, yeah, it's 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 that adrenaline package. I love that. It's completely different. And that's all subjective. You know, it's just the way that society is. But, for, yeah, it's definitely changed for me is is my what is it a, a bad day in the uh, infantry's or i don't know what you said but you know firefighters said it i heard it when i was asked that like you know bad no disrespect to infantry but like they always said like uh at fort bragg you know, like a bad day in sf is better than the worst day or a bad day in sf is better than the best day in the 82nd no disrespect to my 82nd brothers but that was always you know you just always hear that joke no matter what career you're in and and uh i guess a bad day in la is better than a good day getting shot at you know, <laughs> I, you know what? I'm gonna every time I talk to an actor now, I'm gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, there are days I put on a good face and I have piss and moan and all that, and you know, it's it, it's pooey and we all stress and all that. But I really, on better days, I try to really keep it in perspective, and that's coming with age and wisdom. And you are forced through that adrenaline package, if you will, to really evaluate kind of what matters and how you handle it. And yeah, for sure. I mean. I, I, and that's, again, it, it's that whole joke of first world problems. The day I truly, sincerely meet my maker and say, man, I was really sad living in a very nice climate where I had a decent house and a nice vehicle. And I really was, I was really, you know, poverty and malnourished. You know, I, I want some third world country guy to come up and beat the crap out of me because at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I've seen the other side of humanity and I've seen what poverty and misery and we all have at some point whether in the middle east or africa or wherever you know i try to keep that in mind had i not served i would have just seen that stuff on the news you know so having you know not to be too grim but having whether it was you know seeing death or dying or of brothers or allies or good guys or bad guys that definitely changes truly what sucks you know and that's that spectrum of suck i always talk about yes perspective you know yeah well, there's it, one, you know, there. now we got to transition to, you have a, a hashtag, oh, God. A Jack Reacher. We got to talk about the, yeah. the Jack Reacher. Because yes. you're like, what, six something now? Six foot? Six half. five. And, six, you know, five. everybody out there, Jack Reacher, awesome character. And they have Tom Cruise, who's like five foot four. Seven, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> With his heels on. Yeah. Playing this this monster of a character so yeah. talk to us about that a little bit yeah not to be pitchy but the background is, is for those who only know the movies they're not aware of kind of the whole universe and backstory but they just saw a lot of and not to be rude when i say ignorant but a lot of people were just ignorant and go oh two tom cruise movies called jack reacher okay and that was that so they didn't know otherwise they either liked them or not they just kind of thought they were a standalone thing when in reality they're actually there's 
think upwards of 25 books. I should know that answer by, by now. But 25 like top 10 best-selling books by an author named Lee Child. And I read the books in the military way before I even dabbled in the Hollywood thoughts or concepts. And uh, that exact right hand to God, I was reading one. And the, the way the author writes the character is it's not like he says, just kind of hap passing by it with a detail. It's not like he says, you know, a white sedan drove by and leaves it at that. He explicitly details Jack Reacher's build, his physique, his background in every scene, whether it's a fight scene or a scene with, you know, a romantic scene in the book, just anything. He talks about this physique, but it's in a way that it's not like he's, it's a comic book. He, he writes it, and I, I'm not kissing his butt here, but he writes it in such a way where you realize it's an integral part of this human. And, and it's the fans of the books know that. And I'm, I'll attest to this later in the conversation, but that's why if you knew the books, when Mr. Cruz got the rights to the movies, fans lost their minds. And to the author's credit, you know, Hollywood is a business. Uh, he thought, uh, this is more or less his words. He thought he knew Cruz wasn't obviously the physical height, but he thought Cruz could pull off the performance. And honestly, if you can un, know what you know about Jack Reacher's physique. I honestly think his performance was kind of there, but I think Tom Cruise is so giant, you can't see him in a fresh character anymore. And I mean that with no disrespect to a guy who could end my life and career in Hollywood, but I mean, he's so giant, you can't unsee him anymore in any role unless he's, you know, in crazy amount of prosthetics or whatever. So it didn't go so well for the fans. Um, and uh, after the first two movies came out, the rights, the way the, the contracts worked is the rights could continue on or go back to the author and no more Tom Cruise. They went back to the author, no more Tom Cruise. And uh, in November of last year, the author released something on BBC saying, hey, we're going to we're starting to make a TV series with this. And the way this industry works, whether people know it or not or assume it. The reason you always see the major names in every movie, and sometimes that's good because we're like, oh, we like X actor or actress. Let's see him in another movie next week and another movie and another movie. And personally, as a fan and as an actor, I kind of get sick of that because it's like, let's see some you know, new faces and some fresh blood. But the reason studios do that, you know, you'll see, you'll be like, well, God, I just saw him in that movie. Now I'm seeing it on Amazon. Oh, God, now they're on a Netflix show, too. Is they're bankable. It's guaranteed. If you put Jason Momoa in anything right now, it'll be a box office success. I mean, no matter what. Or what and so studios like that warm and fuzzy the days of artistic you know the days you like, grew up in, in the 80s and 90s where it was just like a heyday and you're like i don't know what's coming out but it's awesome the studios didn't bank on huge names as much and so it's a little bit more wild west and freeing so tom cruise obviously even though the movies didn't work for the fans those two movies crushed they still made a profit for the studio um but what mr child the author is doing is he adamantly said uh, I want a fresh face, a new face, an unknown actor, and it has to match the physical. And that automatically eliminates any person in Hollywood but me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, and I say that relatively objectively because they're, everybody goes, oh, we'd, like, we'd love Josh Brolin. And Josh Brolin does match the gruff demeanor of the character of the book. Josh Brolin's like 5'6". He's out. Uh, people are like, well, Liam Neeson. And they're like, well, that won't work because he pretty much played Jack Reacher in Taken. And Liam Neeson's like 67, 70 years old. So he's out. Some people were saying The Rock and Momoa. They're out because they're recognizable faces. So, I mean, that list, if you adhere to just what Ch the author was saying, is down to a couple unknowns in me. And um, 
I went to New York to meet with him after I saw that BBC article, um, met him. And there's somebody actually grabbed a picture. because <laughs> I honestly, when I read the book in the army, I was like, holy crap, this is me. And I just thought nothing of it. And I dress like the guy. I wear long sleeve Henleys. I'm, I'm jeans and I'm short, clean cut hair most of the time. And, and I walked up and it was the first time I met Mr. Child. And I swear to God, when I shook his hand, you can see his eyes. There's pictures of me shaking his hand at his table. And his eyes are just like, holy shit, that's Jack Reacher. <laughs> and uh, it was really cool to see him. It was like watching, looking at a kid watching Disneyland for the first time. And uh, I, they asked me to stay for another week. And I spoke at a panel with Mr. Child uh, to a group of people proving why, you know, they're like, well, why should you be Jack Reacher? And why, what would you bring to the character? And, and since then, I've just been going nuts just because I think I'd like to hope I can win over the author. Um, because he'll have the final say, but then he has to convince the studio who loves name brand recognition and money. He'll have to win over them with me. So I'm just trying to attack it. You knew in the army, I kind of look at it like psyops. I'm just approaching it from every angle possible to saturate where the studio goes. Wow. This Jeff Bosley kid has done all the work for us. He's already got marketing campaign. He's got, I, I haven't done a percentage of this. The credit goes out to all these people supporting me, strangers and otherwise, like, T-shirt companies have started a campaign for me. Fans have started websites and, and they'll go out on all the Jack Reacher websites and the Lee Child websites and fight for me. And just like any fanatics in a good way, they fight for my cause and I don't even ask them to. So it's, it's just become this virus in a way where the minute somebody goes, Jason Momoa, instantly one of my fans will like chime in and go, can't, he's a recognizable face. Now who you got? And they're like, I don't know. And then they go, oh, check out Jeff Bosley. And then, boom, I got another convert. You know, and it's just like I'm building a cult, a cult following. And that's just, that's the hope is this goes to Netflix and I'm the next Jack Reacher. And, and it's all she wrote. And, <laughs> yeah, it's all I'm uh, living, eating, and breathing right now. Well, that's the thing, though. And, you know, you hit the nail on You have to be your own. You can't just sit back and wait. You got to attack it. It's yeah. like a, you got to do an op plan. Yeah. You know? and, and, and that's that's the one thing. And that's the hard thing in the military translating to Hollywood is I've said it a million times is you can put 100 percent in it and there's no guarantee you're getting anything out of it, you know, at all. You know, and it so that sucks sometimes. And that's just the nature of the beast sometimes. And, yeah, you got to take some stuff in your own hands. But there's only this is one of the first big real world. Holy crap. Netflix life change. It's per projects that exist where I can actually take in my own hands at the moment. You know, people are always saying, you know, there's a lot of absurd stuff sometimes, but you know, I'll always get texts or messages or DMS and people are like, Oh, you should be in the new this or the new that. I'm like, it's not that easy. Not because I'm lazy and not trying to my own way, but it's, it, that'd be like you saying when you're infantry, did you enlist? Like as an enlisted and then went officer. Yeah. I was enlisted artillery. Then yeah. I was in infantry. Okay. Officer, yeah. So, yeah, it's not like you could say, like, your family, if they said, you know what, you should be a captain in the infantry, you're like, yeah, I'm just going to go in that office and ask for that. You, <laughs> exactly. still, there, it's, you mean still that's not gates. how it happens? I wish it was. You know? <laughs> but there are still gates, and whether you like it or not, whether you're going to be the perfect infantry officer, I'm going to be the perfect, what, anything other than this Jack Reacher, because it's so, it's such an anomaly, I can't just walk up to Paramount and say, you know, somebody said... I look like I could be the old man Bruce Wayne in the next Batman project. And they'll be like, oh, come on in, Jeff Bosley. You know, it, it doesn't that I wish it were, but it's not. 
It's just you have it's you have to be famous to get into major agencies, but to get into major agencies, you have to be famous. <laughs> so and and for them to even give you the time of day at the auditions at major auditions, it, it's just I don't want to say it's political, but I'm sure it's definitely there's some stuff behind back doors none of us know about. But yeah, you can take it in your own hands. But at the same time, sometimes you also have to know if it's a battle worth fighting, you yeah. know, like the bruce wayne thing i jokingly say but i think that'd be badass because i don't know there was a cartoon called batman beyond where they had old man bruce wayne he's old and he's grizzled and has a beard and gray in his beard and i'm like that'd be a fun thing i can't it'd be a waste of my time and energy to politic for that at this point in my career you know it's too it's so far-fetched and it's such a major franchise that and it's an established franchise good bad or indifferent that i'd be i'd be knocking on a wall that doesn't even have a door you know but that's why you got to pick your battles. And I think that's, I took that from the military is, you know, you triage medically or literally, you know, is this, is this even a feasible fight to fight? And this is why the reacher thing is such an anomaly because it's, uh, his first rule was it has to be an unknown actor. And that's rare for a major role too, for a show, the guy that would be the show would be about to date. I can't think where that's happened. You know, every James Bond was a known actor Every franchise was a known character. And this is the first one where they're like, no, we're starting from scratch with a new face. And that's where I'm like, if I, this is, <laughs> this is going to kill me or make me. And if it does, if, if it doesn't make me, uh, I will probably rent a cabin in the woods and cry for about a year sucking my thumb. <laughs> uh, I understand that. Believe me. Welcome to the government now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. It's pretty, I mean, that's ironic that they do compare in a way. <laughs> well, you know, one thing I've had a few actors and actresses on so far. And uh, the big thing is that that networking, you know, the the community yeah. too, as well. You can't just sit in your apartment and, and you go on a couple of auditions. You actually have to get out there and get your name and face yeah. recognized. Yeah, it's it, it is that, and it's it's a weird catch. Yeah, and that's the weird part of the business that I think for me, I I, I kind of got the part of the business where there's, but at the same time, I I ride that fine line of I want to maintain. I'd rather risk work and maintain a, a sincerity and a, you know, a, a, wow, that Jeff Bosley stays true to who we know Jeff Bosley is versus not, I don't use the word sellout. That's pretty extreme, but versus, because I know this industry, I'm not unaware. It has extremely negative connotations. You know, I mean, it's based on aesthetics. Some of the jobs you literally are cast based on your look, your physique. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is a, a very, it, there's a constant risk of it being a hugely negatively associated industry. I mean, like I've met, you know, uh, the girl I'm with, she initially was like, Oh, an actor <laughs> automatically discounted me as a human, you know, and, and rightfully so. And I've had that with friends. I've had that with business people because on the day of internet, cause I, I market myself actor, like, Oh, Jeff Bosley. But then they'll go, you'll do a little bit deeper dive. I'm like, Oh, he's a green beret. All right. We'll give him the time of day now. You know, so I, I'm highly aware this industry has potential. Just I don't want to, risks in a way. So I, I pick those battles. I try to navigate those waters well. You know, um, you know there are some people they go to red carpet things that they're not even in, and movies they're not even in just to schmooze around and teach their own. That's just not going to be my battle plan. You know, it's just I, I pick those battles a little differently. Well, that's the other thing too is you know. You have to keep true, but you also got to recognize where you came from. And you recognize, hey, you know what? I was a Green Beret, yeah. and I'm going to yeah. tell people that. 
I yeah. was a firefighter. I'm going to tell people that because they should know that because yeah. that might, you know, for, yeah, it could make or break. It could break. It could be the deciding factor. When you, when you look at a, a Jack Reacher, you know, you, you almost the guy's almost a special forces guy. Yeah. Even though he's Army yeah. CID. Yeah. Which is which we all know. Yeah. The way he's written, that's obviously a fictional character. It, it is a little bit operator esque. And and yeah. And obviously I pitched the bejesus out of that <laughs> to the author. I was like. I swear to God, I'm custom made for this character. You know, <laughs> not that I'm saying I could do CID, but the 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 entertainment value of what a Green Beret could bring versus a no disrespect to the MPs, but to what an MP could bring to it matches well, more. It matches more the fictional entertaining. Well, it's funny when I got back from the war, <laughs> I uh, I went and I became an Army CID agent for about uh, eight nine months working as a civilian. You might be my consultant. There we go. <laughs> So I, I was working the uh, Guantanamo Bay investigations for a bit when I got back. Oh, exactly, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's operators everywhere, man. I think you know, I, I think you're gonna be good. Well, that's my argument, and I like here's my whole, whole fantasy is that I meet with them. I mean, in that talk I did with the author to the this group of people, is that it was at a uh, New York University. Uh, they put me on the spot. I was just sitting there, and they brought me up and said, "Hey, get on a microphone." I was like, "Oh God." But they uh, they brought me up, and one of the things that the author said is he goes, and this I'll, I'm I'm glad somebody got audio of it because that way I can prove he said it. But he goes, "You're custom made for this character," and my fantasy is is when he says that is he child knows what he doesn't know. He's admitted in many interviews. He goes, "Look, I'm writing a fictional book," and he knows to hire people that know what he doesn't. And my fantasy is that I get this, and I go, "Okay, here's my theory." is Reacher was prior uh, MP as enlisted because he's written as an officer. And I don't think he was an officer. Like his attitude was more warrant or enlisted like that. that yeah, definitely. The way it reads is more of a warrant or an enlisted. So my argument would be like he was enlisted at, uh, uh, MP or CID, if, you know, that's not totally right, accurate or uh, rank wise. And then transition and applied for SF, you know, selection and became a Green Beret. And that way it matched. Jeff Bosley's background, they wouldn't have to hide any of my tattoos because nowadays we mm -hmm. all know everybody has tattoos because that's one of the fan arguments is like, Jack Reacher wouldn't have tattoos. I'm like, well, Jeff Bosley can hide them. You know, it's no, not a big you deal. You know what, those, I guarantee you, just as many CID guys, everybody in the service. I mean, geez, yeah. I got sleeves. And I, oh, know. yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's the thing is that's that's the wave I'm riding of. Yeah. Of being the nice guy, because I genuinely want people to go, wow, Jeff Bosley's a nice guy we want to trust him with this character and a studio go, we want to trust this guy with millions of dollars. I mean, this unknown quantity, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I, I got to politely fight or, or uh, debate with fans when they're like, like one fan even said, you can't be Jack Reacher. You have an ear piercing hole. I'm like, are you kidding oh my me? Gosh, yeah. You know, like take it down a notch. You know, this is fiction, right? You know, but I also look at how fan, you know, deceiving I can be with with some of the things I'm fans about, whether it's Star Wars or Batman or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, I'll 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 give them their platform, but I'll try to go. Hey, well, can let me educate you. And then what's awesome is on like these Bosley for Reacher fan sites is they're like, oh, that's great, thank you for teaching us. And then they go forth and conquer for me, you know. And they're like, you know, if if you know, some people say well, Jack Reacher wouldn't have tattoos. Somebody else goes. Yeah, they would in the modern military, you know, and it's great. And then they do my fighting for me. So I still maintain my polite air without having to come across like an, an a-hole. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's argumentatively, 
yeah, everybody has tattoos and, and it doesn't change the character, you know, like that's the thing is when I get all artsy fartsy, I really try to go, look, do you want like somebody that can maintain the air of the character or there's a few aesthetic issues you don't like? It's like Jack Reacher in the movies. He, Tom Cruise took his shirt off every chance he had. Uh, I know <laughs> Jack Reacher <laughs> doesn't do that. You know, he is a ladies man in the books. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not like an obligatory shirtless scene constantly. And, uh, so, I mean, yeah, those are just trivial things, but it's, I argue, that's my fantasy is that I also, I mean, I, I argue production value wise, it's brilliant to hire an actor that also knows the character that also knows the military. You know, I mean, I, I'm like a, a triple threat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> trained actor. I got the green beret five seconds. Hell, I got some firefighting and then I can also go, Hey, I also know how to hold a gun because for some reason, Jack Reacher, you know, knows everything about everything. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he, he knows a lot, you know, and, and so it's, uh, yeah, and I think I, I read almost all of, the books. Yeah, oh, good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm sitting to my left. I have a shelf of them. I, my room looks like a team room, just covered in Jack Reacher books. And, mm -hmm. and there's like somebody sent me the Reacher's Rules book. And yeah, they're great books. And I mean, that's the thing is I'm my own worst enemy because uh, you, if you've read them, you're obviously a fan enough to read that many books. Yeah, exactly. I'm a fan of the books, you know, so I'm invested as a fan. You know, like people say The Rock, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I can't picture the rock as Jack. No, Reacher, I can't. You know? And luckily I've, I've done enough and all the supporters have done enough. They're slowly just incepting people. And like the best compliment, this is a little heart, you know, huggy, but I'll get messages constantly where people are like, cause child just released a new book and they'll be like, they'll send me a DM or some random email. And like, I, I now listen to the audiobooks and all I can do is picture you. I'm like, perfect. That's exactly what I need to hear. You know, and it's, it's the best feeling in the world or I'll release a picture and they're like, holy crap. That's exactly how I pictured in my whole life. You know, cause these books, as you know, have been around forever. Yeah, so exactly. It's really cool to, as a fan, like my value as a fan, if I'm watching Star Wars or, or especially comic book movies, when they cast it right, that's the coolest feeling in the world. And that's got to, like, I will use Chris Evans as Captain America. I can't, that's like to date, I think the best casting on anything ever, you know, and Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man actually too. They got to feel great knowing that there are straight up comic nerds and fans going, you nailed it, man. That's got to be a cool feeling. That's like the Bosch series too. I'm a big fan of that. Exactly. Yeah. People bring that one all the time. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, that's the best casting ever. That whole, yeah, the whole it's show. So perfect. And he's a, and a lot of people bring that one up for more, that reason, because it's, they nailed the casting and they also brought, brought that up because that actor wasn't, he had some bigger roles. Like I remember him in lost some random things, but they put an entire series on this real oh, yeah. unknown guy. And that is, that's food for me because that helps fight my cause because there are, people bring that one up all the time and perfect. I mean, the fans, I think the fans speak, I would go to a movie that's more catered to me as a fan than to studios. You know, um, sometimes they nail it with both, you know, like I, you, we could use the Avengers. They nailed it. The studio is obviously very happy. But obviously, they got it right with the fans too, and and that's the ideal is to make everybody happy. <laughs> Ideally, yeah. Well, I've had you on here for a while. Um, is yeah. there Anything you want to plug besides Bosley <laughs> for Reacher? No, I mean, yeah, I that's no, I mean, I'm I'm only doing that. Um, I mean, that's the one thing of uh, the way I came to LA is I vowed to only act, and. Um, the thing a lot of people don't realize is, you know, I said this on ironically another podcast last week where sadly uh, 
rightfully some people have to have the like, six jobs to survive here. And, um, because of that misery of, of existence in the military, I'm used to surviving pretty thin. So a lot of people don't realize, I mean, the glamor, if you will, doesn't sustain you. So like I'm in that diabetic insulin depth drop <laughs> of, of gigs. I'm, I'm just auditioning randomly and just not nailing anything. So it's just this Jack Reacher thing. I, I joke, but all my eggs are in this Jack Reacher basket and, uh, the basket's getting fuller and fuller by the day. <laughs> I mean, for those who are fans, uh, there is a, there are, is a website, uh, it's very veteran based. I'm sure if you haven't heard of it, you would get, there's a lot of jokes they make and shirts they make and hats they make are definitely for up our alley. It's a website called America, M-E-R-I-C-A, America supply.com. And they actually created a t-shirt campaign and hat for the Bosley for Reacher thing. And that's pretty dang cool. That's again, nothing else pitchy really. I'll have you know, to, uh, yeah. I'll have to hit him up and swap my protectors t-shirt for, for sure. They're totally, yeah, they're so vet friendly. And you know, like that's the weirdest thing is now I'll see people on Facebook changing their profile pictures to them wearing a t-shirt that says Bosley for Reacher. And we, we created a, uh, like a, you know, like a lineup when you, you're arrested, you, the hash marks that say your height, they took a silhouette of me and <laughs> it's at, it's at six foot five and it's a silhouette that says Bosley for Reacher. And I see, I, 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 I countless people change their profile pics to that some dude went around touring europe yes like over a couple weeks ago and he would take pictures wearing the hat around ireland and he actually custom made stickers for his luggage that say bosley for reacher it's just that's awesome yeah you know, i'm like here's the at the end of the day if i don't get it he's they're gonna have a lot of ticked off fans. <laughs> so i'm almost to the point where it's like you know i've i'm i've created a no-win situation <laughs> that's awesome brother yeah no i yeah that's it. I, I well, you have my pitchy. vote, and uh, as soon as I get my T-shirt, I'll make sure I I'll take some snaps. Heck yeah, I'll uh, okay. I'll let them know you're coming. Thank you so much for coming on, man. <laughs> my honor. I, I and now we're gonna have to. The next thing is uh, Bosley for Reacher. Yeah. Hashtag that'll be all over the uh, podcast. So thanks yeah, a lot, thank brother. You. That means really a lot to me. Thanks this. for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, man.